0: Hey, as pastor, I am so excited you could join us uh, as we hear and listen to the word of God. And I'm always hoping and praying that he's going to specifically guide your life and give you the hope and the peace that you cannot give to yourself. He is the power every time he promises to work through this word. If he has worked in your life, we want to hear about it. Please email us, let us in, encourage us uh, by emailing office.amazinglove at gmail.com. Also, if you'd like to support this ministry, make messages like this ongoing, uh, go to our giving tab online or download the app. Go to the app store and search Amazing Love Luther. But now, may you continue to grasp how wide, high, and deep and long is the love of Christ in this for you. Thank you. If you can hear this message, listen closely. To the exiled, misunderstood, or upside down, this is your message of hope. When problems come, Use them. When enemies persecute you, love them. These struggles are a fire, refining you into gold. Look around. You are not forgotten. You are not alone. Challenge what is expected of you. This world is not your home. You are different. I was a 7th grader hanging out with the 8th graders who just desperately wanted to fit in. You ever been there? Everyone knew I was the pastor's kid, and so I was known kind of as a goody-goody. And uh, I just wanted to convince other people, you know, I'm not just a goody-goody. I'm not just a pastor's kid. I am actually cool and normal. And so there was music playing in the background. It wasn't Caleb. It was a little bit vulgar um, back in the rock days. And uh, as I listened to one song with a particularly pungent refrain, I thought here was my chance. This refrain I don't feel comfortable saying in church. This refrain was vulgar. But as that refrain played, I used the top of my lungs to flawlessly say each of those vulgar words. And it worked. For a moment, I wasn't the pastor's kid. For a moment, I was the cool kid who had just received the cool chips because I knew the words to this song, and people were shocked. They didn't know I was normal. They didn't know I listened to everything else and knew everything else that, that they did, and, and it felt good to fit in. But at what cost? You know, I believe, and the reason I tell you this story, is that there is a lot of pressure to be normal, isn't there? And for you, it might not be in seventh grade. For you, it might be at work this week, and you're around the water cooler of whatever you have, and there's a conversation that ensues. And maybe it's someone who's telling a dirty joke. Maybe it's someone who's ragging on the boss. Maybe it's someone who's just particularly not in a good place, and there's pressure to speak like they do to fit in. Maybe there are kids here, and maybe kiddom hasn't changed too much. And there are songs, and there are movies, and there are things that, that are popular to be about, that aren't really necessarily the good things to be about. Maybe you've been in a relationship with someone, and uh, in order to fit in with that person, you threw your moral compass aside, and and you would have done whatever it was to fit into that person's paradigm of what they thought was cool, of what they thought was acceptable. You pushed it all aside to fit in with just that one person. Yes, there is a lot of pressure to be normal, isn't there? But, But let me tell you something about normal. I think normal's broken. Here's the first takeaway. I think that normal is a broken path that leads to nowhere and leaves you with nothing. That, that's, that's normal. Consider what our culture calls normal. Normal is broke. Which, by the way, we have Financial Peace University coming back January 7th. Normal is spending way more money than we ever take in. What, what is normal? Normal is addicted, isn't it? Pick your poison. Normal is being addicted to spending too much or maybe alcohol or maybe porn or maybe medications or uh, maybe gossip. Nor- normal is all of these things that I use to cope in a in a sinful world. That, that's how I get normal. Normal is sex outside of marriage, isn't it? It's swiping right on Tinder rather than waiting for that, that day when you say, I do. Normal is pursuing a lot of different things but perhaps not pursuing the best things, and perhaps not pursuing God. That's normal. Friends, normal is a broken path that leads to nowhere and leaves you with nothing. And Jesus talked about normal. He was looking around, and, and our Savior Jesus, he said, you know, there's this normal path that everyone is on. In fact, this path, it is wide, it is broad. It's like everyone is choosing this path. But look what he says is normal and where this path leads. He said, Wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction and many enter through it. And in a world that doesn't want to claim a hell, do you know that hell is real? Do you know that Jesus talked and preached about hell? This isn't my idea. It's not Amazing Love's idea. It is Jesus who says normal is most people on their way to the highway that leads to hell. not very uplifting though, is it? But today, sometimes it's good to be doing the heavy work in here so that some good fruit is produced out there. Today we're going to talk about then how do we get different if this is normal. And friends, even though it was a little bit heavy, there's the grace of God in this place. And one of the promises I make to you is that you'll leave with more hope than you came in with today. All because of Jesus, who might have given us direction of what is normal, but also gives us a different path. Still with me? So let's talk about how being different is really good. And to make things a little bit lighter, I saw a commercial that illustrates what different is. I wanted to share this commercial with you. Uh, Here it is. You're a brave man, Mr. Stevens. Your testimony will save lives. We thank you for your courage. But, as you know, you are now in terrible danger. (laughs) Stevens? Mr. Stevens? For the foreseeable future, this is your new name. This is your new house, your new bank account, and a perfectly inconspicuous SUV. You must become invisible. I'll take my chances. Now, for me, if you really want to stick out, drive a Prius. But, uh, but in Audi, that, that's okay, too. But uh, anyway... Um, but, but this is what we're going to talk about today, all right? Uh, we're going to talk about, okay, so if, if normal is broken and normal is what everyone's doing, how in the world do I stick out? And, and I believe it's going to have more to do with what you do and how you act than, than the car that you drive. And let's get into it, okay? Uh, we're looking at 1 uh, Peter. That's what this book is all about. Um, and and we're, we're talking about how we live as strangers in this world. If you are here with us last week, we talked about how sometimes God brings trials in our life in order to get us to a different standpoint in our faith, to make us stronger through those trials, and sometimes to remind us that we're not home. Well, today he launches into more of how to be different and, uh, and how we'll look different. So I invite you to follow along with me. We're in 1 Peter, uh, in your worship folders or here on the screen. It says, Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. Since you on a call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors. This is, by the way, where I got my definition of normal. That there is an empty way that leads to nothing and nowhere that is being handed down and and told to be normal. that, that, That is just common. But it is with the precious blood, a lamb without blemish or defect, that you were bought. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him. And so your faith and hope are in God. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth, so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply and from the heart. Love each other deeply and from the heart. And so we're going to talk about what it is to be different. Could you turn to the person next to you and tell them you look different? You look different? Careful with your connotation there. You look different. Different. Difference. good. <laughs> our culture it has a fascination the american culture of being happy yeah we're trying to get happy and it reminds me of the song that came out with despicable me 2 uh by pharrell williams do you remember the song happy anyone uh, let's revisit that song a little bit back to 2013 it's got a good beat it might seem But, it, but it's good. When, when you're at uh, the song on, and you're dancing, and you're, you're just having a ball, I mean, these are good days. There's nothing wrong with the good days. In fact, our, our society is built on this pursuit of, uh, you know, the, I think consider of the Declaration of Independence, that we have unalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Of course, right, right? And so we live in a culture that gives us formulas for happiness. I was reading an article by Business Insider that, that had some tips on how to stay happy. And uh, one of the things I was struck by is that they say you get unhappy with too much choice. You know that? And, and they said there's a difference between, like, shopping at a Walmart, where there's, like, how many boxes of cereal, and an Aldi. And everyone who's godly shops at Aldi, by the way. I'm just—it's <laughs> a great store. You'll be more happy at Aldi. Because you're not inundated with the choice, right? Or, or how do you be happy? They, they said in this article that truly, um, whether you follow God or not, it is better to give than to receive. That there is this happiness whenever we're generous with others. They talked about money actually being able to make you happy. You know that? Uh, they, they did some research and said that money can increase your joy, but only to a point. They said that you need about $75,000. And uh, if you have 75000 if you're there, you're arrived. If you make over that, your happiness kind of plateaus. doesn't matter how much further you go over that, about $75,000 can be happy. Um, and finally, they, they said something that I believe as a Christian, that if you have a grudge against someone, it can actually steal your happiness. It can suck your happiness from you. Now, what I love about this Sunday and being in the house of God is that Jesus says, be happy. He says, be happy at all costs. Be happy in every moment. Do whatever it takes to be supremely happy all the time. Right? That's what he said. I mean, look at, look at the words through First Peter. He said, but just as he who called you is holy, so be... Oh. I got my word wrong, didn't I? Anyone see I switched up the H word? I guess it doesn't say happy, does it? It says... What's that word? Holy. Huh. Well, that sure is different in a culture that likes happiness. Holy. Huh. That even makes me pause a little bit. Holy. Huh. And it reminds me how if we are truly holy, sometimes it doesn't lead to immediate happiness. That sometimes if you have a quest to be like Jesus, to be different as Jesus was saying, that, that holiness sometimes and happiness are not the best dancing partners. It reminds me of what I have up here. Uh, Some might know I have uh, Coke here, and uh, I also have milk. Now, I was inspired by my Facebook feed that did this science experiment. But What happens when you can combine Coke and milk? Well, let's find out. Um, There's a chemical reaction that takes place, I guess, and I will try not to spill when it comes to my milk a little bit. Here we are. Put it on. Now, what you will see is that over time, these do not make good partners. In fact, because I love you, I did this experiment before I got here today, and let me show you the results of what happens in like an hour. You ready for it? My hiding spot. Here it is. This is what happens when you let milk and Coke go together. Now, that looks delicious, doesn't it? Volunteer to try this wonderful concoction? No, this is gross. And what I'm reminded of is that coke and milk, they don't really mix well together. This is kind of disgusting, <laughs> to be honest. The reason I bring this up is because we have certain things, don't we? We can either choose to be holy, or we can choose to be happy. And we know what happiness looks like when I'm on a date and I'm not married, and no one's looking. But it doesn't necessarily mix with God's desire for me to be holy. We know what happy is when I'm spending money. And I don't have enough, but I, I really, really want it. So I put it on the credit card, and I overspend, and it makes me happy. But it doesn't always mix with holy. And I, I know what happy is when someone hurts me, or when someone lets me down. Happy in the moment is hurting them back and, and giving up on them and, and turning away. But but that's not always holy. Yeah, happy and, and holy, they, they, they just don't always mix. And so here's the takeaway for today. Here's the first point if you're following along. That if you truly want to be different, it is pursuing holiness over your immediate happiness. And the reason I say immediate is because I believe there's happiness on the other side of holy sometimes. It's just not immediate. It's the pastor who, at his 40th anniversary for being faithful, receives from the congregation praise, even though he foregoes a lot of happiness along the way to serve like a servant of Christ. It's that couple who celebrates their 50th anniversary And uh, they had many moments where they could have pursued happiness over immediate holiness. But it's it's, it's that point where where they celebrate that they have stayed holy. And so now in that point, they are happy. Um, It it is the long game, friends. Happiness does go with holiness, but it's it's the long game. But now I look at, at what God wants in pursuing holiness over immediate happiness. And this week, I mean, I was just so busted. I was so busted. I was so caught. Even at the very first sentence that I was translating, look at verse 13. It said, therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober. Uh, the, the literal Greek said, minds that were girded like your loins, which is, <laughs> it doesn't translate very well, uh, which made me think of, okay, what is girding your loins? Here, Here's girding your loins. Art of manliness. Thank you very much. Uh, you have a tunic and you get it ready and you Put it like a diaper? That's manly. <clears throat> All right. But I guess I get the point. That The point is that our minds should be ready to go. These minds should be ready for attack. These minds should be ready to understand that, that the devil's going to send a lot of different things because he's a mental terrorist to attack, so I've got to be ready for the fight. Uh, get your minds ready. And then it said fully sober, which could literally be translated as perfectly self-controlled. How many of you want to claim perfect self-control? And then I felt even more guilt because it said, without excess passion. I'm like, I have excess passion. (laughs) This is not good. I am busted. And I don't know if you've ever been there. We're like, this is what God wants and this is what I am. And there's a huge gap in between to be different. We call this sin and we bring it to the Lord. And we wonder, how do we get past this? (laughs) You know, this conversation of holiness reminds me of my experience at the gym this week. I went in and I had my body fat tested, which is really fun. You hold this thing and it tells you you're out of shape. And then in order to hold this device that the personal trainer has, I have to talk to the personal trainer. And he's a good guy, but then he gives me his, his lessons on how to be healthy. And he says that there are really three pegs to a chair or a table. I forget what he said. And those three pegs are cardio and strength training and diet. And after he said those things, my mind was just like, whoa, I never heard that before. just kidding. (laughs) I'd heard that before. He's a nice guy, but I mean, that's not that original, this idea of cardio and diet and strength training. And I just considered, once again, that the problem wasn't with the what. I knew the what. The problem, personal trainer guy, is the how. How. We're talking about being holy today. Here's what I would guess. The problem is not with your what. Holy pastor. I've never heard that before. That's crazy. (sighs) No, you're sitting there but the same thought that I had when I was translating that verse, it is how? How? Can I tell you about Jesus? Hmm. What a beautiful name that is. So Jesus knew our problem. And Jesus came. And one of the descriptions that says about Jesus is that he was a lamb, but he was a different lamb because he was a lamb who was spotless. He was a lamb who was pure. He was a lamb who was blameless. And this spotless, blameless, pure, this completely holy one, he traded places with the unholy. God made him who had no sin to become sin so that we could be the righteousness of God. And this lamb, he gave his life on a cross and that blood speaks a better word than my failing. That blood speaks a better word than my shame. That blood speaks the word of forgiveness. And righteousness for you and for me who could have never been holy on ourselves. And that gap is now covered. When I see what God wants and what I am, it's covered by the cross. And this is the reason I woke up today. And this is the power of the church. And if you're new or watching online, you need to know Jesus, he died for you. So you could be holy. Right now you have a heavenly father who looks down on your life where you're not perfect and he declares it perfect through faith. Your heavenly father sees a spotless child, a blameless child because of faith in Jesus Christ. And the world may never see it and that's okay because the only thing that matters is that the father does. You're holy right now. That's the gospel of Jesus. That's what he's done. Holy how? Holy in Jesus. Who is blameless for us and now we get to be like him. Just through faith. I just dwell there. Do you, do you ever just want to turn everything off and just dwell in that moment? I don't want to keep trying anymore, God. Can I just, can I just know I'm perfect right now? I don't want to talk about how right now. Can I just know I am? Holy In Jesus. but We have to get back to how, because life goes on. The moment pauses, and holy how is now through Jesus. He says, I am the vine, and you are the branches. If you just walk with me, if you talk with me, if you stay connected to me, what's going to happen is that even when you don't even know it, you, you might produce some holiness, you might produce some fruit. And so our takeaways in Christ is this. That in Christ we are holy, and through Christ we can be holy. And I guess because we're not done yet, I have to give you some advice on how to be, be holy. Here I want to talk about being a house guest. Have, have you ever been in a house guest and someone that you didn't know but really liked? Ever been a house guest there? And so it could be someone that you really look up to. And, and consider what you do in a house that's not your own, but you really look up to that person. Uh, Whenever I'm a house guest in that environment, I don't normally make the bed. But if I'm a house guest to someone I admire, guess what I do? I make the bed. And, and, And for me, you know, as you consider what you're doing, you try to clean up after yourselves. And if you're a house guest and you're a guy, it's really hard because he made guys disgusting. We're disgusting animals. And so being a house guest and, and you have to use the bathroom is just a, just a disgusting scenario. But, but you try to be considerate, right? You know, you're a house guest. Or maybe you go in and you see their perfect floors and you're like, wow, how'd they get there? I've never seen floors like that. So you take off your shoes, right? And, and this is all that you do if you're going to be a house guest. And, and, and where I'm going with this is, do you know right now you're a house guest? That's what Peter's trying to get us to see. We're strangers right now. Look what he says. Live your time as what? Can you say that word? Foreigners, which means this isn't your home again. If you were here last week, we talked about that this isn't your home. And so if you are not home and you're living in someone else's home, if you're a foreigner, it should be with this reverent fear. This reverent fear, because whose house are we in? We're in God's house. And he's with us all the time. He sees everything that we do. So, so we should never be too comfortable Because there's a problem with too comfortable. Have you ever had a house guest who is too comfortable? I won't ask names. Too comfortable is putting your shoes on the furniture and it was brand new. Too comfortable is saying things that maybe shouldn't be said about the meal. Too comfortable is doing things that maybe shouldn't be done because you didn't have your guard up. That's too comfortable. God says, don't get too comfortable. He says, rather be considerate. Because that's what a good house guest is. A good house guest has intentionality over the activity, don't they? They're considerate of why they do and what they do because of respect for those who are the owners. That's us. Don't get too comfortable here. Not even when you're by yourself, but rather better than too comfortable is considerate and intentional with your activity. But there's a final demarcation over what different is. And that final demarcation is something that I believe the church of God should be known for. Look what Peter said here. Here was our last point, but moving on. He says, you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for each other. Love one another deeply from the heart. And so the clearest demarcation of a follower of Christ is that of love. And you might be sitting there and saying, well, people without God love. And people without God can love their family and their friends and sometimes even their coworkers. Well, how is that different? Well, I want to talk about three qualities of how this love is different, if I can. Three qualities that make this love extraordinary. And so let's launch into that a little bit. Um, I don't know if you've ever been in a relationship where it was the one who cared the least won. You ever known someone like that? The, the one who cared the least was the coolest or the one who won. I've been in a circle of friends that way, that if you didn't care about what the authorities thought or your parents thought or what other people thought, that is somehow how you win. If you just don't care. It reminds me a little bit of cats. I have a cat. Cats are known for not caring. In fact, if I want my cat to do something, I say the opposite, like, don't come to me. Right? They wouldn't. Here, here, here's what I'm talking about. That, that sometimes we have this mentality. If I have said or done anything to hurt you, I don't care. And, and what I would tell you is that when it comes to people, this is normal, this is common. It's common to play the game that I care the least. But let me tell you what is uncommon and different. To care fervently and to love fervently. The, the, the first way that this love is different is it is a fervent love. Which just means that when it comes to loving you, I'm going to outdo you every time. I'm going to make it my competition to go deeper, to go further, regardless of what you do. I don't care if you reciprocate. I don't care what you do next. But I'm going to outlove you today. And God says, when you do that to everyone around you, when you do that to the people that you could have written off, when you do that to your enemies, when you do that to your coworkers, and you say, I'm going to outlove you today, I'm going to go further, I'm going to care more today, you're going to look different. You're going to be different. How else is this love different? I was uh, around about a five-year-old girl. I was up for my aunt's funeral, and I met the pastor's family, and uh, he was a good friend. He was a baseball teammate, and I I saw his little girls, and I was was talking to this pastor's family up on the balcony, and out of nowhere, this five-year-old girl jumps towards me. I'm like, whoa! Whoa! And I was so glad that I caught her because she was jumping toward me to give me a hug. I was like, wow, what is in you that made you so happy? What is in you that wants to give me a hug? You don't even know me, but I'll take it. Have you ever met a kid like that or an eager hugger? Met someone who is jumping at a chance to show you their affection? Someone who ran to you? That leaves an impression, doesn't it? This is the second way that love is different. Love is eager. Love is like that little child who is just waiting at the chance to show you some kind of goodness, who is chomping at the bit to give you some words, to give you some activities, to show you that, that they love you. This is love, an eager love. But there's a final way that love is different. And this one reminds me of these things. Does anyone remember growing up with these things? I know we have MP3 players now. These are called CDs, compact discs. And uh, I remember uh, when I was walking uh, or driving a, in a Ford Explorer with one of my buddies who left these compact discs kind of everywhere. Um, they were on his dashboard, they were on the seat, they were on the floor. And the thing with compact discs, if you don't put them away properly, is that They scratch. And so I remember driving with his buddy and he tried to play his compact disc but he had left it out and that thing skipped like nobody's... (laughs) Oh my, it was bad. Anyway, um, he tried to play me this song and it was cringeworthy. It was just skipping all of the time. And I'm thinking that this is another good example of what sometimes normal love is. It's normal for love to skip. It's normal for love to be inconsistent. It's normal... For love to get stuck or to go away. But what is not normal is when we have a continuous love. That's the third way that love is different. To be continual. To never let you down. To always be available. To be persistent. Friends, I think if we have this kind of love, that's fervent, that's eager, that's continuous, we're going to look different than how other people do it. What I would admit to you is that we should be different by having Christ-like love. Christ-like love. And he displayed it the best. So may God convince you that it's good to be different. May you look at your life and say, where should maybe I look a little bit different? And maybe he empower you to do so. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, this is a hard talk to be holy like you are because we are not. But being encouraged and uplifted by the gospel, that we are holy through Christ and in Christ, now empower us so we can be lights on a hill, all declaring the praise and love of Jesus. Amen. Please stand.